The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language. This is normal. It's Sunday, the 19th of April 2020, and it is my sad duty to report that the Ugandan cop we heard last time... Uh, let me tell you one thing. I am not going to be nice to some of you, motherfuckers. ...isn't a cop. And he isn't in Uganda. He is, in fact, a YouTuber. We regret the error. On the other hand, we can say that this man is from Limerick in Ireland and there's been a request for him to do all of our social distancing public service announcements. This is a public service announcement on behalf of Councillor James Collins who asked me to do it because he knows I know a lot of people. But listen to me now and I tell you no questions, right? Stay at the fucking home! Stay at home! Do you hear me? All out fucking 19, 20, 17 year olds, all out hanging around the streets. I tell you what I know, if I find out that any one of you are hanging around the streets, I'm going down to your house, right? I'm going down to your fucking house, and I'll drag you out with a head of fucking hair. Alright? And I'll knock your father out in front of you. That's what I know. You fucking cunts. Stay at home! Stay at home, do you hear me? And then I uh, there was a fella telling me then the other day. There was a lot of you playing football. Playing football? You don't play football in fucking July, you're too busy robbing houses. But you play football now and there's a fucking virus. Jesus Christ, ye cunts! Hello, I'm Stilgarian. Uh, this is the 9pm His Plague Diary, episode 6, and for me, it's day 33 of the quarantines. Oh yes, it's been more than a month, and uh, I am starting to settle into a regular pattern. I am starting to notice that being cooped up inside is increasing my depression. I'm not quite sure yet what I'm going to do about that. Uh, I will think about that in the coming week. Uh, but I will say that I am noticing that the media is continuing to fake the numbers of people not sticking to the rules. In Wisconsin, I think it was, but there's been a few of these demonstrations against the lockdown. Someone, uh, one of the news outlets, posted a photograph saying there was a demonstration by thousands. Well, someone counted them. There are about 56 cars in this process. Uh, so... I don't know, unless there was like 500 people in each car. That was bullshit. Nine News ran a story saying that Hanson Park in Marrickville, a sort of famous old football ground, was full of people while rolling a video showing a few dozen scattered around an entire football park. Yeah, that's not full. Also, meanwhile... Donald Trump, leader of the free world, continues to rant and rave, but has now shifted his tactics uh, more to defending his legacy. More on that uh, in a bit. But really, here in Australia, and, and indeed in the United States, uh, the narrative has, of course, shifted to, when will all this be over? Look, some of the graphs are going down. Let's all go outside. Yeah, look, we're... I, I'm very disappointed in you all. You know, we're way short of this being the siege of Stalingrad, but people are getting angsty. Some folks uh, are thinking of ways to adapt and they're being inventive. I've seen families playing trivia games uh, across the nation via video conference. Uh, Nick Heath, who's a rugby commentator in the UK, at least he is when there's rugby, uh, he's been hosting pub trivia nights uh, via YouTube and he gets hundreds of people watching that. Maybe I should do that to do an Australian one because Nick Heath is in the UK and the time uh, doesn't really work out well for us. Uh, Naman Zhu at uh, Guardian, he, he reported uh, on an Australian family that recreated a 15-hour plane trip in their living room. It's a family from Newcastle. They'd had planned for years to have this big family holiday to Europe. Now that's off. So what they did, they rearranged the big lounge room chairs in their living room so it looks like a business class cabin. They set up uh, boarding passes and they had one one person being a flight attendant, one kid doing the security. Uh, they served themselves airline style meals for the duration and, and like clocked it off. I thought that was really clever. And and uh, the mother, Ms. Russell, Kirsty Russell, uh, she said 
you know, we thought the kids wouldn't be into it at all, but they have embraced it. Check through the article as as usual. Um, you know, all this stuff's on the, the website and you can link through, but I, I think it was kind of fun. But mostly, people are having a whinge. And as uh, Reuters journalist Byron uh, Kane noticed uh, this week, breaking Australia records sharpest daily increase in medical opinions from people without doctor in front of their name. And it's easy to have an opinion, right? I mean, there are so many charts and numbers uh, in the media. You can, you can just pick the ones you want. There are so many models uh, being published. Uh, there are so many academic papers being published, but they're just preprints, so they haven't had peer review yet, but they're out there and people who don't know uh, how to report science properly are, are reporting on them, and, and then half-assed versions of that go out. And of course, you know, this whole thing is a hoax, right? And Again, we'll come to the conspiracy uh, section a bit later. But, like, what is wrong with these people? They've been told this week that this is going for another month at least. They're translating, yeah, we could look at it after that as, oh, good, only a month to go. Fucking idiots. They've been told that there's the potential for this to go for six months. For the rest of the year, maybe, they've been told, if they've bothered listening, that there's the possibility of a second wave of the pandemic. You know, epidemiologists say, yeah, there's nearly always a second wave. And yet here they are like spoiled children demanding to know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're fucking not. I've seen some appropriate analogies to this on the Twitters. Uh, one is the curve is flattening. We can start lifting restrictions now is the same as saying, oh, the parachute has slowed our rate of descent. We can take it off now. People are watching the rise and fall of every bit of data. And as, as I've said many times before, don't watch the rise and fall of every little wave at the beach. Watch the tides. Watch the seasons. You'll be a lot better off if you only look at the stats once a week. But of course, the media needs to report something every day. The politicians have to report something every day, lest they be accused of not being in control. Although exactly what they're meant to control is a bit ambiguous. And then, of course, we've had the app this week. The idea that you'd have a COVID-19 uh, contact tracing app and... Uh, you know, if if we ha all carry the app, then we'll be allowed out, which is not how it works. But Scott Morrison says carrying this app would be a national service, a bit like war bonds, apparently, which is interesting. Look, I, I've already done a few radio spots this week on the potential of contact tracing apps. Uh, I've posted the most comprehensive of those on my website. Uh, but the TLDL version, too long didn't listen, is that we... We actually don't have any evidence they'll make things better rather than make them worse. Uh, and, and again, I've linked to articles on this. A well-intentioned but unproven app could reinforce biases and create confusion and stress. And we've had so much discussion of whether to download or not download this app. It hasn't been released yet. The back end hasn't been built. There's no way to tell how good or bad it is. Uh, and it won't be finished for weeks. So in general, at this stage, no one knows what they're talking about. It's an imaginary app to implement an untested strategy. Yes, because no one's no one's tried this before. We don't even know whether it's it's a good thing or a net benefit. So seriously, don't let the evangelists of untested technology lull you into a false sense of security about this. Just wash your damn hands and stay the fuck at home. I think I think the main problem here is that people mistakenly actually no this isn't the problem. It's not that people think there's a simple solution to every problem. They think that the right simple solution is the thing that they just thought of rather than what experts have been researching and experimenting with for decades. That's why we have economists trying to tell us when is the appropriate time to lift the lockdown. Quite frankly, what does an economist know about that? There is an argument, of course, that what does an economist know about anything? But here we are. Brian Mack on the Twitters, or actually he's uh, Brian Mack but six feet away, 
on the Twitters. I, I quite like his set. He, here's another analogy. Man, we've got to open the gates. We've been through this, Phil. The Mongols are still outside. But I've got to harvest my turnips. Mongols, Phil. Oh, but we've been here for weeks. Yes, that's how sieges work, Phil. But the Mongols have barely killed anyone in days. Yes, that's because of the walls, Phil. Are you sure? Maybe the Mongols aren't that dangerous. I'm just saying, how bad could it be? They can't kill all of us. Uh, that is literally the thing they do, Phil. But my turnips! It was a great thread, except for then the people who replied. Uh, Dapper Jabber, for instance, said, Well, first of all, you grow food inside the fortress. That's like Fortress Building 101. So that cunt missed the whole point of it all. Uh, and indeed, you don't grow food inside the fortress because if you want to build the fortress big enough to have the farmland inside it... Uh, you would have done that in the first place. As uh, Brian Mack said, to clarify for my many, many mentions, no one is saying that we don't need turnips or that Phil isn't hungry. It's just that you can't ignore reality just because it isn't the reality that gets you what you want. We all want to leave, but your exit, quote, strategy, unquote, will get us killed. In India... Huh. This is cheery stuff. The BJP, the ruling party, and India's mainstream media have used the virus as an excuse to vilify Muslims. I'll leave you to read that one for yourself. Uh, but over to the US, land of the free, home of the brave. Here's a tweet. It's almost like the United States has no president. We are a rudderless ship heading for a major disaster. Good luck, everyone. I mean, that sounds right, doesn't it? So guess who tweeted that in 2014? <laughs> yes, Donald J. Trump. As they say, there's a, there's a tweet for everything, but here we have the rudderless United States of America uh, led, and I use that term loosely, by a man who is a constant grifter. You may wonder why pro wrestling was ruled to be an essential business and not shut down for example. Well, it turns out the wife of the guy who owns the WWE is the head of a pro-Trump super PAC. So there's that. Uh, as an aside, listen to the Trump Inc. podcast. It's really good. It digs into Trump's business dealings. Last time I also mentioned that Aaron Rupa, uh, a, a journalist, has been Following the daily Trump press briefings, uh, why, I don't know. He must be going mad. But he said, try to make sense of this Trump rant. Look, I could tell you about, and I'm not going to do it because I didn't want to bring it up, but I could tell you about events that took place. And I said things like, you'll never do that again, or you'll never do this again, or I don't even want to mention the events. I don't want to mention what you're supposed to be doing. Because, and you know, one of them was so horrible. I said, a certain industry will be out of business, never happen again. Two weeks later, it was like nothing ever happened. As I know you know, Trump's daily press briefings have been uh, becoming increasingly strange, detached from reality. He's ranting longer and longer. He's sometimes leaving before any of the medical experts have said anything. Monday's was interesting because CNN have obviously just given up. I mean, they, they had chirons up at the bottom of the screen, you know, the subtitle things. Trump refuses to acknowledge any mistakes and angry Trump turns briefing into propaganda session, which he did at exactly the same time on Fox News. Their chirons read, Trump to reporter, you know you're a fake and Trump wants to keep media honest. There's two parallel universes going on there, and the people most at risk are the ones in the universe which is wrong. People are protesting because of the lockdowns, because they've been living in this Trumpish alternate reality. Here's the sound of one uh, at Huntington Beach in California. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, you guys are coming out, everybody! Thank you for coming out! 
Did you hear the guy at the front of that? He shouted out 1776, which is the year of the US War of Independence from Britain. Somehow, what is Trump? The King of Britain? Trump is as mad as George III, possibly madder, but uh, that's very confusing. There was also a sign uh, bearing the slogan, Prophets Before People, which is something they wanted, somehow. And man was not meant to be alone, which I thought, isn't that from the Bible? And I thought, yes, it is. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God also said, it is not good for man to be alone. Let us make him a help like unto himself, i.e. Eve. I Are we only locking up men? Do, do they want the men to be provided with war? Women? I mean, it was a woman holding the sign. I, I'm very confused. Uh, in Kentucky, at these same kinds of demonstrations uh, against the lockdown, there were placards reading, Stop Communism! Yes, communism is preventing them from working for the man, despite the health risks. In uh, Michigan, uh, as <laughs> I don't think this is particularly a Michigan thing, but it's certainly something that happened. Some of the people in the crowd were holding up swastikas because apparently, you, you know, the far right is what we need in this fight against communism. Well, the Michigan governor called out those people saying... You know, hello, that's a swastika, you Nazis. Well, here's what a Fox News host had to say about that governor from Michigan. She pointed out that she saw swastikas at the rally. And she didn't, and she did. I think she did see them. But there's a distinction. The protesters were comparing her actions to fascist dictators. It wasn't that there were Nazis there. It was that they were unfairly they were unfairly comparing her to Hitler, which is wrong. But one should make that distinction because what she was saying was that there were Nazis there. Just, oh, I saw swastikas. Yeah, sure. I mean, we all have Nazi flags lying around for when we want to be ironic and protest the government, right? Right? I mean, you do, don't you? Prince Harry does. Sorry, Mr. Harry Windsor does or used to. Steve, Steve, Steve Mnuchin. Newton, Steve Newton, an American investment banker and civil servant who is serving as the Secretary of the Treasury as part of the cabinet of Donald J. Trump, President of the United States. Steve thinks you can live for 10 weeks on $1,200. These checks in the mail are direct deposit. It's really bridge liquidity for people as they go through these difficult times. Bridge liquidity for about... Eight weeks? Well, I, I think the entire package provides economic relief overall for about 10 weeks. I guess you can understand why Americans might want to get back to work even for a minimum wage. Someone on the Twitters, uh, by the handle the guillotine shelter, guillotine shout as the actual handle, if you want an example of how housebroken Americans are right now, there's mass protests in several states. They aren't demanding rent freezes or universal basic income or health care. They're demanding the right to go out and die to keep making the ruling class richer. What gets me, they go on to say, no, no, this is foolish owl. What gets me is that these tiny protests with only a few dozen people are getting extensive media coverage, to which the guillotine shelter replies, they're manufacturing consent for people to die for stonks. Well, there, there we have, you know, two anonymous politically oriented accounts talking bullshit at each other. But yeah, why... Why don't Americans demand health care? Why don't they demand something else? The the idea of freedom, some weird idea of freedom is is in their brains. And and speaking of that, Trump has been tweeting out about uh, Democrat-led states to liberate them. Yes, he's stirring this up. I never thought the United States would fall apart in front of me quite 
so quickly. As you know, I've been following uh, the tale of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, uh, the United States Navy aircraft carrier that had a massive infection of of COVID-19 on board, uh, and the captain, Brett Crozier, uh, emailed his superiors for help and for his trouble got sacked. Well, according to a a Reuters report, link on the website, uh, the Navy has tested the entire uh, 4,800-member crew of the aircraft carrier, uh, or is testing at the time uh, this story was written. They were about 94% of the way there. Uh, 600 sailors tested positive so far, and 60% of them have not shown any symptoms. That is a variable to throw into your epidemiological models and have a bit of a think about. I've also seen, by the way, this week, uh, an amazing article uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, which was the uh, news outlet that first broke this story. They've been interviewing the sailors on on the Roosevelt. I won't read it. It's, it's worth the journey. Check the website for the link. Of course, uh, Donald Trump is setting up to blame the World Health Organization for not acting fast enough, uh, even though he was praising the, the WHO only two months ago and, uh, and uh, trying to downplay the virus, calling it a hoax. Here's what uh, Kellyanne Conway said on, <laughs> well, guess where. The president took decisive right. and immediate action the end of January to shut down flights from China. That was criticized by the WHO. It was criticized by other people as xenophobic and racist and travel bans don't work. Well, this one sure did. So we have every right to know and every right to know uh, because of what's happened here in this global pandemic. But there's another reason. Some of the scientists and doctors say that there could be other strains later on. This can come back in the fall in a limited way. Uh, this is COVID-19, not COVID-1, folks. And so you would think the people charged with the World Health Organization uh, facts and figures would be right. on top of that. That This is just a pause right now. So there's an investigation examination to what happened. But people should know the facts. I agree with Kellyanne Conway. People should know the facts, especially facts like COVID-19 does not mean the 19th COVID virus, but of course, one that was discovered in 2019. Joshua Epstein, uh, he's director of the New York University's agent-based modelling lab. And I mention him because he has uh, an interview on this week's episode of On the Media uh, from WNYC in New York. He makes a couple of very important points, I think. You know, this is like weather forecasting. You'll update your forecast as data comes in and just be explicit about your uncertainties. And then you can take your Sharpie and include Alabama? That's why you use models. So you're not making Sharpie estimates off the top of your head. You mentioned R0 and a number of other terms. So let's talk about the lexicon we have recently acquired. Start with the flatten the curve graph. Let's picture them. There are two lines, one with a high peak where we do nothing, one that's lower and wider as a result of social distancing. Uh, You've said that they are simplifications. That means they're not really so smooth, right? Yeah. I mean, in the real world, there's a lot of noise. They jiggle around and they don't have this, you know, perfect, smooth shape that those diagrams show. But they're qualitatively right. They all rise to a peak and then descend after the peak. And typically, in real epidemics and in those curves, half the transmission happens after the peak. I think a lot of people are really misunderstanding what it means to be at the peak of an epidemic. You hear a lot of talk about, we're at the peak, and so you can breathe a sigh of relief, and we're out of the woods. Typically, the peak of an epidemic is the midpoint of the Mm -hmm. epidemic. You're not out of the woods. You're in the very heart of the woods, and roughly half the cases are in front of you. So anybody who thinks we should just reopen the economy because we've made it to the peak is reckless error. If you can flatten the curve, the peak isn't as high, so it doesn't exceed the hospital capacity. So it's not that you're getting fewer cases. They're just coming at you at a different pace. Deaths would probably be lower because you have more capacity to ward off these fatalities. 
I'm I'm kind of worried that we're this far into all of this public explanation of how the hell this shit works and we're still having to explain that basic point, especially to economists, to business columnists, to random social commenter columnists in the media and so on. It's really basic. It it really is fundamental numerical literacy. Numeracy, I believe it's called. And yet they don't get it. As an aside, in these His Plague Diary episodes, I have dropped the kind of dramatic theme music, the pseudo news music and, and format uh, of the podcast. And yet I've kind of gotten into doing news grabs and so on. Uh, just I'm, I'm thinking aloud, should I go back to that kind of format? Should I maybe sort of evolve this into something else? Should I, in fact... Uh, perhaps, like, not do the goddamn pandemic every week because, you know, in the first of these episodes, I told you not to go down this rabbit hole all the time. And here I am going down the rabbit hole and hoping you'll come down the rabbit hole with me. Have a think about that. Let me know. Well, back in Australia, uh, Anzac Day is coming up on Saturday, the Australian uh, the cel- well, celebration, commemoration. Uh, of uh, our military and the sacrifices they've made uh, in World War One, in particular, but in wars before and since. There is a thing that is happening. Justin Wilbur, who's the son of an American Vietnam War vet, and Bill Sowry and Terry James, who are both decorated Australian Army war veterans, doesn't say which war, They are behind a new app that will help the country commemorate Anzac Day 2020, even though we're in lockdown. Uh, This clip is from Triple M Darling Downs. It's uh, back on 20th of March. Have everybody step outside uh, just before dawn on Anzac Day onto their front veranda or driveway, their lawn, um, and to pay tribute to the Anzacs and other servicemen and women by uh, observing a minute of silence while the last post plays at Reveille, um, and also uh, either lighting a candle or, as I can announce right now, using an app that we're having developed which will have a simulated candle and we'll play those two songs for you. Wow, that is fantastic because I believe that you got uh, attention uh, worldwide with this and, and this is actually an app developer from another country that's put their hand up and said, we think this is important and we'll do this. That is correct. The um, the developer is in Spain, of all places, wow. who are also in lockdown, yeah. uh, similarly to Italy. So um, he normally works from home. He said uh, he's in lockdown, so that's not all that different. Uh, <laughs> so he's still at home, but uh, he and his team will be uh, will be developing that for us as quickly as possible, so that we can run some testing and get it out into the out into the world as quickly as we can. And I think this is what Australia's soldiers, sailors, and Air Force personnel live and die for is to have people in their tracky decks standing at the end of the driveway as the sun rises listening to the last post play on their their mobile phones with the speaker turned up a simulated flame it's going to be terrible even more terrible is the fact that Tasmanian Independent Senator Jackie Lambie has uh, decided to leap on this at a website called The Poppy Pledge at poppypledge.com.au. She is encouraging people to make the pledge and, and, and get everyone out there at the end of their driveways. Uh, And here's the pledge. This pledge is my promise. I will not forget them. I will stand at my driveway at dawn this Anzac Day in silence to honour those who've made the ultimate sacrifice. We may not be together, but we are united, and in the morning, we will remember them. Now, the website goes on to answer an important question. If I don't have a driveway, can I still participate? 
absolutely right, Sir Senator Lambie's team. Plenty of people without a driveway are still pledging to participate. They're using balconies, they're going to the roof of their complexes, and some are going right to the street itself. There's plenty of ways to take part. I've hinted as we've gone along, and I've whinged a lot uh, about columnists who know not of what they write, uh, trying to tell us that uh, you know the next step is is either to uh, lift the restrictions so the economy uh, can continue. Although, quite frankly, the economy is an abstract concept that will continue. Uh, no matter what happens. And I will say, the economy isn't a measure of the nation's health. It's just a measure of the speed at which money is is going around the money tubes. If you spend $100 digging a hole and another $100 filling it in, that's $200 of action in the economy. Net result, nothing. Uh, people... Uh, running funeral homes, people uh, running hearses, people using their shovel to dig a hole and then bury the dead. This is all the economy. Bear that in mind when you see uh, former government minister Prue Goward uh, writing uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald, and I'm not linking to this because fucker, baby boomers won't like it, but the next step after lockdown is herd immunity, writes former Liberal New South Wales government minister Prue Goward. Here's a, here's a rule of thumb. Anyone talking about herd immunity doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. It's not a thing. The only way you have herd immunity is if there is an immunity, either by a vaccine or by the fact that it's demonstrated that if you get the disease, you build up an individual immunity and and therefore it can't spread through the community. I, I, look, I... There's lots of you know reliable stuff around the place about this. Basically, when anyone suggests this, what they're suggesting is you lot go, go, all go outside, get the disease, a bunch of you will die, but that's okay. Now, Ben Cubby is one of the editors uh, of the Sydney Morning Herald, and uh, he was taken to task by uh, Jack Butler on Twitter. Twitter by saying, look, you know you're not required to publish these dangerous takes. When Prue and friends file, you're free to slide them straight into the shredder. Ben Cubby says, what's the issue? I think it's a pretty good one. You see, well written from a name counts more than badly written and or by someone who isn't famous. That's the thing. That is something that we need to get rid of in the aftertimes. Speaking of uh, experts with names, Dr Norman Swan uh, at the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, he's really become the ABC's face of this. Now, he is a physician, hasn't practised in years, but he is qualified to do this. He's been a journalist about health, running the health report for ABC Radio for a very long time. Uh, the Corona cast podcast that abc news does corona cast it's it's massively popular because it does actually explain things in an easy way i disagree with dr norman swan on a number of things in including uh the app because he doesn't think about long-term issues it's just the health thing it'll be useful for health yeah there, there are other considerations in society he was the same about my health record as well yeah yeah this can be used yes it can also be misused dr swan anyway that's that's the subject of an entire other thing but on yesterday's yes friday's uh corona cast today's sunday isn't it okay so two days ago friday's corona cast uh, Dr. Norman Swan investigated a, a question that I think goes to the heart of what it means to be an Australian. If the virus can turn up in faeces, does that mean that farts could be a transmission route? Uh, you get really intelligent, pointed questions on <laughs> Coronacast, and this is no doubt one of them. Well, luckily, we wear a mask 
which covers our farts all the time. So I, so I, I think <laughs> that, that you know, even if it were to, I mean, I, so I think that what we should do in terms of social distancing and being safe is that um, a policy on the part of the entire Australian population should be that you don't fart close to other people <laughs> and that you don't fart with your bottom bare. <laughs> oh dear. I say these podcasts have been a bit different from usual. They're not really. They're just as classy. And now to conspiracy theories, which, yes, I do love this, but it's started to become a bit more relevant. Okay, some of the crazy stuff uh, out of the way. Uh, this is from the Byron Shire Echo up at uh, Byron Bay where there's a, a lot of uh, woo people. Oh, God. God, writes Vivian Stott of Mullumbimby, drought, fire, flood, plague, martial law, are you ready to repent yet or would you prefer more suffering? Have a second helping, there's plenty. Much or most pestilent begins in inland China where the inhabitants eat swine flesh and other assorted carnivores, also crustaceans and various other insects. Crustaceans aren't insects, but let's gloss over that. Regrettably, many other Australians follow suit. The God of the reviled and ignored Christian Bible is still in control. We, sadly, richly deserve being punished by the microwave-enhanced COVID 5G pandemic for disobeying the divine list, also including lending at interest heathen temples, tattoos, escort girls, etc. Except... Jesus, as if your life depended on it. Pastor Greg Locke uh, is of a similar viewpoint. Uh, Pastor Greg Locke describes himself as outspoken pastor that is unashamed of the gospel of Jesus and refuses to bow to the politically correct idol of our culture. Pastor Greg Locke is from Mount Juliet in Tennessee. Hey guys, Pastor Greg Locke here. If you're still keeping score and actually paying attention, you'll notice that the left says some very stupid things, such as billionaires are evil and totally unnecessary. And then the biggest billionaire of them all, Bill Gates, steps up and the World Health Organization and the left bow down at his feet because he has a supposed coronavirus vaccine. First of all, if you believe that nonsense, you ought to sue your brain for non-support. Secondarily, I don't care how much money the man has. I'll tell him and his money the same thing the Apostle Peter told Simon in the book of Acts. You and your money are going to perish without Jesus Christ. Thirdly, they will be sipping Frosties in the lake of fire before the government ever gets their greasy, grimy hands on me and my family and forces us to take a stupid implant or a vaccination that we don't believe in. I have a First Amendment right that allows me to reject it and say no. I have a second amendment right that protects my first one, and I have a God-given right to tell you you have gone buck wild, the government is out of control, and Christians, you need to wake up. Wow. Sadly, I, I think I'm going to be the one, uh, one of the ones sipping Slurpees in the lake of fire. That is just, that is preaching. That is Southern preaching. I mean, deranged but Southern preaching. One of the longest-running theories, conspiracy theories, bullshit conspiracy theories, is that SARS-CoV-2, uh, what, what, the thing, the virus that causes COVID-19, was created in a Chinese virus lab in Wuhan. And, of course, all this, this chemtrail 5G stuff is because Wuhan uh, was also the site of one of China's first major 5G rollouts. Yeah, nah. But... There is increasing suspicion that China is hiding something. And I say suspicion because the evidence is only just starting to emerge and making sense. But, of course, that hasn't stopped Australia's potato for home affairs, Peter Dutton, having a go uh, on Friday, I think this was. Are you, are you directly be? saying to China this morning, be transparent, tell us what happened, give us some details on what happened so that the world can know? I, I think people who have... Uh, a relative who's died. I mean, we've got over 60 Australians who have died. Well, people say that's a low number. Every one of those cases mm. involves a tragedy of somebody very close to you uh, being lost. Hundreds of people obviously very gravely ill as a result uh, in our country. Uh, look at the loss overseas. All of those families 
would demand answers and transparency, and I don't think it's too much to ask of. It would certainly be demanded of us uh, if Australia was at the epicentre of uh, mm. uh, this virus making its way into society. So I, I think it is incumbent upon China to answer those questions mm. and to provide the information uh, so that people could have clarity about exactly what happened, because we don't want it to be repeated. And we know that this is not the first instance of a virus being spread uh, from the wildlife uh, wet markets. And we need to be honest about that. Now, the first thing I'll say is that this, this whole concept of wet markets as a thing to hate. A wet market is just a fresh produce market. They sell meat, fish, fruit, vegetables, juices, that sort of thing. It's a term that goes way back in uh, international trade and even in local things because there used to be a thing called a dry market where you bought textiles, rope, clothing, furniture and so on. That's all a wet market is. The thing they're complaining about, obviously, is the slaughtering of live animals, uh, because you can't slaughter dead animals, but the slaughtering of animals at the market itself in conditions which don't come up to uh, contemporary sanitary standards. That's a whole separate thing from it being a wet market. But, yeah, this is a hill I'll die on. But putting that aside... Dutton kind of has a point. The Washington Post reported uh, a couple of years ago that the US had sent science diplomats to the Wuhan Institute of, of Virology over concerns about their practices. Because two years ago, those embassy officials visited and said that it was conducting risky studies on coronaviruses from bats. It is possible uh, that... Uh, Maybe, yeah, something got out. Not that it was deliberately manufactured, but, yeah, just shoddy safety practices. Have a listen to this report, and this one's from this week, from Reuters. China's foreign ministry on Thursday addressed accusations the coronavirus originated in a lab in Wuhan where the disease first emerged, saying the World Health Organization has found no evidence that the virus, which has infected more than 2 million people globally, was made in a lab. China's position on the origin and means of transmission of the novel coronavirus is clear. We always believed this is a scientific issue which should be studied by scientists and medical experts. I would like to remind you, the head of WHO has repeatedly said there's no evidence that the coronavirus was made in a lab. Many well-known medical experts in the world also believe that claims of the so-called laboratory leaks have no scientific basis. On Wednesday, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Beijing, quote, needs to come clean on what they know. And at his daily news conference at the White House, President Donald Trump said the U.S. is looking into whether the virus came from a Chinese lab but did not want to go into detail about it. Multiple sources are telling Fox News today that the United States government now has high confidence that while the coronavirus is a naturally occurring virus, it emanated from a virology lab in Wuhan, that because of lax safety protocols, an intern was infected, who later infected her boyfriend, and then went to the wet market in Wuhan, where it began to spread. Does that correspond with what you have heard from well, officials. Well, I don't want to say that, John, but I will tell you uh, more and more we're hearing the story. And we'll see. When you say multiple sources, now there's a case where you can use the word sources. But uh, we are doing a very thorough examination of this horrible situation that happened. Go ahead, please. The question of whether the virus came from a Chinese lab has been the subject of theories on the Internet and has further strained ties between the United States and China as the U.S. has already accused China of mishandling the outbreak. There's no way to confirm any of those numbers. And has also questioned the accuracy of China's coronavirus death toll reported by Beijing. Their numbers seem to be a little bit on the light side, and I'm being nice when I say that. So I don't quite know what to make of all of that. I mean, Donald Trump is a liar, a bullshitter, a crook, and increasingly deranged. The emperor has no clothes. But at the same time, the intelligence is emerging. The intelligence has been reported that the virus lab in Wuhan was dodgy in some sense. And 
you know, there are scenarios where, all right, you know, Wuhan is where it happened. And yet on another hand, so what? I mean, yes, we need to make sure this doesn't happen again. It would be really nice if this doesn't happen again. But right now, the virus is out there. The pandemic is a thing. And and that's what we need to concentrate on right now. Yeah, yeah, we'll also deal with that in the background. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. But let's let's save a few lives immediately first. And that's what we've got to do. I mean, there was an ABC report the other day, ABC Australia, that said, quote, for those pinning their hopes on a COVID-19 vaccine to return life to normal, well, an Australian expert in vaccine development says it probably won't happen soon. The reality is that this particular coronavirus poses challenges that scientists haven't dealt with before. That's according to Ian Fraser. He's from the University of Queensland, and he was involved in the successful development of the vaccine for the human papillomavirus, HPV, which causes cervical cancer. That vaccine took years of work to develop. Now, he says, Professor Fraser says, that the challenge here is that coronaviruses have historically been hard to make safe vaccines for, uh, partly because the virus infects the upper respiratory tract and our immune system isn't great at protecting that. And that makes sense to me, not an expert. Okay, I'm, I'm now, you know, a mediocre middle-aged white man opining. But yeah, coronavirus along with rhinovirus and the other one are, are the classes of virus that cause the common cold and yeah we get several a year and have no vaccine for it um so there's that and genevieve bell who's feral data on the twitters she runs the 3a institute at the uh, uh the australian national university in canberra she says and this goes back to things I was talking about before, she says we need mass surveillance to fight COVID-19. And before you all freak out, uh, contact tracing in the health uh, authorities is is part of a unit called disease surveillance, right? They work out, oh my God, someone's got food poisoning. Let's see if we can find out where the hell that came from. And they do disease surveillance to figure that out. Surveillance just means to look at, surveil. Let's not get too creepy about it. And indeed, uh, Genevieve Bell says that this sort of surveillance doesn't have to be creepy. She says this is a chance to reinvent the way we collect and share personal data while protecting individual privacy. Yeah, uh, yeah Genevieve, I'm, I'm not so optimistic that we'll do that. But, you know, <laughs> you know me. She does know me. That's the thing. Anyway, thanks as always to you, the generous listeners. Um, before I, I expand on that, no, really, it it is a big thank you this time. Uh, I've just found out that due to the way the Australian government has set up the JobKeeper uh, uh, payments for uh, sole traders who work for themselves, as, as many freelancers are, uh, I fall through a gap. Maybe that'll change, but I I don't think so. So I think I'm going to have to battle through. Uh, and I really want to thank you uh, for doing the things you've done to support this podcast. This episode, for example, it's thanks to Brett Ran again, Craig Harvey, Jody Miners, who says that the money she sent is for the goat or the alcohol or whatever. Uh, I won't tell you what I've chosen. John Eaves, John O'Ferguson, Kuchina Zetti. Have I got it right this time? Simon Harris, who says that uh, the money is given in honour of meritorious service for the use of the word cunt and related purposes. Shilpa Rajkumar, thank you very much. That's a new name to me. So uh, really, thank you so much. And Tim Holland again, who says uh, his contribution is for rum, sodomy and the lash. Well, of course, I'm in uh, isolation by myself, so there's certainly no sodomy happening. And the lashes are... kind of going to be a while too so rum it is uh if you'd like to join these lovely people and look i'd like you to but i also know that in in these quarantines most of you have quite a lot on your plate at the moment there's there's so many people out of work now uh so 
you know, obviously I don't expect you to take care of me more than you take care of your own. I mean, really, folks, take care of yourselves. But if you are in a position uh, to throw a tip my way, please go to stilgarian.com slash tip. That's stilgarian.com slash tip. Please do so. And also, uh, please tell your friends about this podcast. They may enjoy it. Tell them it's on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts now and, and all of the others. I've, I've finally got around to doing that. And, uh, yeah, rate and review and give, give me five stars and all of that shit because if you create a little bit of a, a trending spike, yeah, all of that. But <laughs> this isn't going to beat CoronaCast at the ABC. That's, that's the most listened to podcast in Australia right now. But before I go, I, I try to throw you a glimmer of hope in these troubled times. Turns out that in California, with all of the shelter-in-place orders, as the Americans refer to the, the lockdowns and, and social isolation uh, and so on, uh, traffic accidents and crash-related injuries and deaths are way down. First three weeks of the lockdown, halved. And that began on March 20th. So the reductions so far have saved the state of California, just in money terms, $40 million a day. That's about a billion dollars so far. Uh, that's from uh, uh, the University of California at Davis's Road Ecology Center, which fascinates me. So, yes, the lockdown will cause fewer problems in some other areas. As I said the other day, though, it has caused a huge spike in domestic violence and so on, which we shouldn't forget. And finally, finally, from uh, someone, this isn't Twitter, I don't know what it is. Is it Instagram? I've just got a screenshot in front of me, so I'm not sure. From The Fat Jewish, here's a question for you. If you could end COVID-19 by sacrificing a part of the United States, which state would you choose and why Florida? Well, that's the uh, edict for now. Uh, please do feel free to send me your own thoughts too. I'll put on a, a little promo to ask you some questions doing, during the week. But yeah, tell me how you're going. Record a bit of audio on your phone and send it through. Tell me your name or pseudonym, where you're from. I'd love to drop that in the podcast. Uh, until next time, will it be in another week? Will it be later? Will I do something else? I don't know. But until then, I'm still Garyan. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.